Welcome to the Hell Has an Exit podcast with host Teddy Tarantino. New episodes every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget to subscribe. All right. Hey, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Teddy Tarantino. What's up, bro? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, dude. So is your name Alex and your last initial is P? Why do they call you AP? AP, yeah. So, so my full name. You don't have to say your government if you don't right, want cool. to. Cool, I don't want to. People who know know my full but name. But you're Alex P. Yeah, it's a really Spanish name. Yeah. But they call you AP. Yeah, they call me AP, and it, it's funny, right? Because like AP, like it happens to be my initials, mm-hmm. but it's really like a play on words. Always paid. I wish. Fucking no. So, you know the watch, Audemars Piguet, right? Of course. So, I was the type of person growing up where like. Like, if you wanted to get into some shit or if you had some beef or you had to go do this or do that, like, mm-hmm. and you would call me, I'd be like, like the movie to town. Like, all right, whose car are we taking? Mm-hmm. Like, I was never like, scared. I never s- scared. I didn't second guess anything. Like, so mm-hmm. I got AP because he's always on that time. And your initials are AP, mm-hmm. like the Audemars forget. And it kind of just stuck. And it's funny that um, when I got into recovery that people started calling me that. Oh, yeah. Because it was a name that used to, I used to be called back home. Oh, you're using it. Yeah, and I didn't really like it, and I wanted to get away from who that person was. And then people started calling you AP anyways. Yeah, but then, like, it just it had a different meaning when they were saying it. Mm-hmm. You know, they were just calling me AP yeah. to call me AP. Mm-hmm. And actually, almost everybody, with the exception of, like, one person, calls me AP. Yeah, I don't call I don't think of you as AP. Yeah. Maybe I should. I mean, you can if you want to. I don't care. Every You know, when I'm at meetings, it's always AP. You yeah. Know? yeah, wow. Maybe I'll start calling you AP for now. Yeah. My mom's called me that once. I thought it was really weird. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> what, um, so where are you from? So I'm from, I'm from down here. I'm from Miami, Miami Gardens. Mm-hmm. I was born in Palmetto Hospital, and I grew up there my entire life. Mm-hmm. Literally my entire life, like by uh, Hard Rock Stadium now. I could never tell when I met you if you were young or old. Because like, <laughs> cause there's some people in recovery that like they look really young, but they're like 36 or something. Yeah, you know? dude, I'm, I'm 23. I'll be 24 and, uh. In 10 days. Nice. October 14th. What do you do for your birthday? Shit, I don't know. I do. I don't know, man. See, for me, for birthdays, like, I'm not a big birthday guy, mm-hmm. right? Like, typically for birthdays, I don't really end up doing, especially, like, back then, like, mm-hmm. before I got into recovery. My birthdays consisted of I was probably chilling with the homies, I was smoking, and I was getting high mm-hmm. after it was all over. Yeah. You know, because I was, when I used to use, I used to like to use by myself. And then I never really did much, you know? But this this time I'm like, all right, well I, I might as well celebrate my life. You know, mm-hmm. I'm alive, I'm clean. You know, uh, my life's a lot better. So uh, definitely dinner. Um, I know some of the boys want to mm-hmm. go to Diamond Dolls. So shout out, shout out Diamond Dolls. You know what? Um. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing a dinner. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're going to dinner. Yeah. You gotta at least go to dinner. I don't really do much for my birthday either. Yeah. I mean, what what different? It's just another day. You know. Well, I just go so hard on my clean date. Mm-hmm. So like. To me, yeah. I don't, I don't want to, like, be obnoxious and have, like, two crazy parties or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, your parties are always lit for your clean date. Yeah. Like, I, I remember when I came back, recently when I had came back, you had just had yours, and I was the able to go. The 15 years? Yeah, the 15 years one. Yeah. And that shit was dope, dude. Yeah, that's cool. Like, I, I'd rather celebrate my clean time yeah. than celebrate my birthday, you know? So you, so you got a year clean when? October 19th. October 19th? So, yeah, it's actually five days after my birthday. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I remember... This your first time getting a year clean? Mm-hmm. Nice. Two What's, years into recovery. So you were, you were in, so you started getting clean two years ago, and now you just got a year clean? Yeah, so August 2021, I got out of jail. Mm-hmm. And I remember... I, I detoxed in jail. Mm-hmm. I got clean in jail. And I got out of jail, and I went to this treatment center. And I begged them to take me in. Mm-hmm. Because 
you know, I was clean. So like realistically, like I had no real reason to go to treatment, right? From what they were telling me, you know, cause I didn't really know how it worked. And I just remember begging them. I was like, please, I do not want to go back home. I mm-hmm. don't want to go back to that life around those people, just in that general area, like people, places and things. Like, I don't want to be a part of that anymore. Like, please take me. I was like, dude, I will go get high right now and then come back just so you can take me. And they're like, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. We'll take you in. We'll let you in. Did you have insurance or something? Yeah, I had insurance. Uh-huh. It's just like for them, I guess, certain yeah, treatment yeah. centers, they need you to be, yeah, which is really dumb, you know? Well, well, your insurance company isn't going to authorize you days if you haven't used. That's true. So that's that's why. Yeah. So, but, you know, luckily they let me in and I'm glad they mm-hmm. did, yeah. you know? Because actually, funny enough, right, so I have an uncle in recovery, mm-hmm. and he knows some people down here. He has, like, 36. He should be coming up on 37 years clean. He lives in El Paso. Mm-hmm. So originally, I went out there for, like, my, my, my mom sent me out there for a while because I was just, it was getting really bad. Mm-hmm. And she sent me out there to stay with him, and, like, that's when the seed was planted. You know, like, I wasn't really, like, open to it. Like, he would tell me stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. He'd take me to meetings, and I'm mm-hmm. just like... And meetings out there in El Paso, I don't know if you've ever been, but, like, it's a lot of cholos out there. Yeah. It's a lot of hard-body Mexican people, you know, mm-hmm. like, and they're old-timers. You know, so, like, I really was like, dude, what the fuck? I was like, I- I'll meet you guys here in, like, 30 years. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not ready yet. Like, this is obviously not for me. You know, and then I came, you know, I moved to Fort Lauderdale, and I realized that, you know, there's a younger recovery crowd. So when you came to Fort Lauderdale, it was the first time you seen, like, young people in recovery? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Which I, I I never really saw. Yeah, you know? I don't know if I would have got clean because this is all I know. It's like my first meeting there was twenty twenty year olds. Yeah. So it was I just thought every meeting had that. I didn't know that there was anything else. Yeah, for me it was the opposite. All yeah. all I thought was there was a bunch of old, old people, people in meetings. Yeah. And it's like, dude, everybody my age is probably getting high right now. So like, yeah. why can't I just come with them? You know. Yeah, I mean I'm very grateful to have my first meeting was ten o'clock. Yeah. You know? That was my first meeting too. Yeah. That was my first meeting in Fort Lauderdale. That was my first meeting. Yeah. So. What's your story like? Uh, what was your childhood like? When did you start using? So for me, right, my childhood, like, I, you know, Hispanic family, mm-hmm. Mexican, Cuban, oh, yeah, Colombian, you're Mexican, Cuban, Colombian, and Native American. And Native American. So I'm just really just straight up Latino. Mm-hmm. You know, people ask me, I'm just I'm Latino, dude. Like I'm a whole bunch of things. And uh, in my family, so I'm one of four brothers. I grew up with two older brothers, one younger. So I was mm-hmm. the middle child. You know, and like my childhood, like. So I went through a lot of traumatic events in my childhood, like off the rip, you know, like, you know, from the ages of like four to seven, you know, one of my older brothers, he would molest me, you know, and he was abusing me sexually, physically, mentally. Wow. How old was he? He, so I was four. He was like 10, 11. Damn, that's crazy. He yeah. was molesting you at four? Yeah. From four to seven. Mm-hmm. Right. And then. When's the first time you ever mentioned, like talked about that? So. Actually, I didn't talk about it for like 15 years. Yeah. I didn't say anything. It wasn't until 2021. I'll never forget. I remember my mom walked in on me. I was high. I was getting high. I had a whole bunch of shit on me, mm-hmm. and she caught me nodding off. And, like, she had already known I'd been getting high. This is the first time she, like, actually seen me with all of it. Mm-hmm. And she was just, like, I just remember her asking me, like, why do you do this? And, like, I was just explaining her all the shit, all the pain that I felt, and then mm-hmm. it came out what happened. Wow. Like, what really, like started it mm-hmm. you know because like that shit fucked me up dude like yeah like sure. i always felt like i wasn't enough and mm-hmm. then i would always have weird relationships with with guys older than me because it was like dude like i just couldn't really trust anybody mm-hmm. you know because my own brother was willing to do something like like that to me and i was just a fucking kid and you know i, I never understood why he did it i we never spoke about it i don't really talk to him you know um he just had a kid like a year ago but 
it was just like, like, it was like, I blame, I used to blame him, mm-hmm. right? But then I blamed the occurrence of that happening for a lot of the shit that I did in my life and a lot of things that happened in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, because then at 10 years old, right, my grandfather passes away. You know, he died in his sleep, but I found him dead, right? Like, I was the one that found him. You guys I, I was close? I mean, yes and no. Like, he was like he was living with us, but he had uh, dementia and Alzheimer's, so he didn't really remember me, right? Like, he wouldn't really, like, he didn't really remember anybody, mm-hmm. like, for me, right? Because he was born in 1910, and he passed away in 2010. Wow, that's crazy. So he, he, he passed away four months before, his, uh, before he turned 100. Yeah. And you found him. Yeah, I found him. And nobody had any fucking explanation for me. I had all these questions. Nobody had anything to tell me. Nobody, like, all it was was, you know, typical Hispanic family, like, you got to be strong. You can't cry. You can't be sad. Mm-hmm. Like, get over it, you know? And for me, right, like, for me, so it feels like I woke up at the age of 10, right? You know, and I meet a lot of people that they remember stuff from their childhood, three, four years old, five years old. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can't relate. Because for me, I only remember like the traumatic shit that went through, that I went through, right? So mm-hmm. It's like just like two things. So like all those other things are just blocked from my memory because of these two things that like for me altered the course of my life, right? Mm-hmm. Because then three years later, I'm fucking thirteen, I'm getting high, mm-hmm. and and then my life just was a blur for like the next eight years of me using, and you know, like it, it, and it wasn't until I got to recovery where I realized that. You know, all of those things that, like, I thought, right? I thought that because of those things, I had to be, you know, who I was when I was using, right? Like, I, I had to be something that, not that I, that I wasn't, but I convinced myself that I was this, you know, piece of shit, worthless person. Like, I didn't belong. I wasn't loved. Like, like and, and because this pain was inflicted on me, now I have to inflict it on the rest of the world, right? Because mm-hmm. it's me versus the fucking world. Yeah. Like. God damned me from the beginning and gave me this shitty deck of cards, right? So now I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just be this fucking rolling ball of chaos, this fucking tornado, because I don't know how to deal with how I'm feeling because I was a fucking kid, Mm -hmm. you know? I was innocent. It wasn't like, you know, I was like 15 when this happened. Like, I was, I'd only been on this earth for like three, four years, Mm -hmm. you know? I didn't fucking deserve that. And I, and, you know, for a while, I convinced myself that I did. I thought I did something, you know, and, and. It, it's crazy because now when I got to the rooms, I've been more open to talking about it, you know, which I never was before. I was always yeah. ashamed of it because it's like. Yeah, I think like 50 percent of the rooms has some type of yeah. molestation. And I didn't kid. and I didn't yeah. know that, you know, and I finally felt like, OK, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not alone here. But it, it took a while. It yeah. took a while. Like with my sponsor, like, you know, when we finally, you know, talked about it, like I was scared that he was going to be like, dude, like, get out of here, you <laughs> fucking weirdo. Like, I don't fuck with you. Like. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Like, uh-huh. why would you let something like that happen to you, right? Because that's what my mind tells yeah. me. And, like, he was literally like, he's like, okay. He's like, I love you. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want to do about it? Yeah, there's <clears> stuff that I did in my four-step that when I was talking to my sponsor, probably, like, second grade. And as as an adult, you would think, like, you just don't have shame about it because you were so young. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I told him this, I was like, this is, like, one of the most shameful things ever. And I remember he was like, bro, you were in second grade. Yeah. And I was just like, I guess you're right. You yeah. know? It, it, but if, if no one really says that to you, you don't really talk about it, you, you do feel a lot of shame for things that happen in your childhood, even though you're a victim or you're just young and you're just a kid, you don't know. Yeah. Uh, what was using like for you? Like, when, how did it, what was the progressive like progression? So, <clears throat> you know, usually like kids, right? Like they start off smoking weed, right? Mm-hmm. Weed's a gateway drug. Like, 
that's just like, and and you know they bring the dare program and it's like oh yeah. don't start smoking weed because then you'll start smoking crack and like for me like <clears throat> where I grew up like you know I was always the youngest for the most part so I was always hanging out with people older than me mm-hmm. right like I just remember always hanging out with people older than me and even like I would hang out with my brother's friends you know people older than me and they were already they had already passed that gateway part right they mm-hmm. already been smoked weed like now they're doing blues they're doing dope like they're doing coke like they're doing all this shit mm-hmm. and i'm hanging around them so it's in front of me so like you know at 13 you know i'm doing dope i'm smoking weed i'm doing dope mm-hmm. and like it didn't really progress until i got older and then I'm, now i'm kids with my I'm, I'm with kids my age and they're all doing it and i'm doing it with them mm-hmm. and and then it got to a point right where like i was the type of friend i always took it too far yeah, you know i always i always went I like, like I was actually I was on the phone with my, with my homeboy like a couple of days ago, and mm-hmm. we were talking about like the tiers of like of all of our friends in the group, right? And like he was like, I'm tier one, dude, but like you're above me. Like you like would go to jail for shit. Like mm-hmm. you would like put yourselves in these shitty ass situations that like you would somehow find your way out of. Mm-hmm. And you know, and using was just my escape, dude. Like it's so loud in my fucking head for the most part. Like, even now to this day, but, like, back then, like, it was always so loud in my fucking head, like, and I couldn't stop the voices, right? And, like, I'm in a constant war with myself. So when I would use, like, it would just, I w- it would just be silent, right? Everything would just shut off. Mm-hmm. Like, I was numb. I didn't have to feel anything, right? Because, like, I'm harboring all these resentments and these feelings, right? And I'm lashing out in, you know, this this way or that way. But, like, when I would use, like, I didn't have to do any of that. When I use it would just be serenity almost, yeah. right? And for me, like, I used to like using alone more than I used to like using with, like, my friends. Like, yeah. <clears throat> like I used to like using in my car, right? Because for me, it was like, okay, this is my car. I can control this environment. Mm-hmm. I can let somebody in. I cannot let somebody in. I can lock the doors. I'm in my own bubble, you know? And dude, I would spend, like, six, seven hours in my car just getting high. Just find somewhere to park mm-hmm. and get high and, like, I'd watch, I'd watch something. Sometimes I would just sit there in silence and just not think or not feel. What, um, when did you start doing the opiates? So 13, 14, like I had tried it for the first time. I liked it, Mm -hmm. you know, but like I was also 13, 14 and like, I didn't really have a lot of money and like, you know, my brother's friends didn't always want to hang out with me all the time. Mm -hmm. Like this fucking jit, like Mm -hmm. what is he doing here? You know? So it wasn't until like 16, 17 where I ran into blues and dude, those were like, those were it for me, man. I used to love doing blues. I used to snort them, mm-hmm. smoke them. Like, that was really like what it was for me. And 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 I don't, I I, I like to say I did real blues at one point, and it wasn't just like <laughs> fentanyl, but like wow. I'm crazy. pretty sure it was fentanyl uh-huh. the entire time. If it wasn't, but yeah, yeah it's crazy because like, um, if you've never seen real blues, you probably don't know what press ones look yeah. like. Yeah. But so somebody explained it to me, right? And like, and, and I remembered it, right? So like a real blue, like for me, like when I would snort them mm-hmm. and then you, mm-hmm. you can feel the flavor of like the berry in the mm-hmm. back of your throat. And I remember that, mm-hmm. you know, I, and sometimes I can still remember what that tastes like. And I was like, okay, well, those are definitely real because like when I did it with the fake ones, because there was a point where I knew I was doing fake ones, mm-hmm. I could taste the fucking chalk. And I was like, this is disgusting. Don't they mush up different? Yeah. And like, I think they, I think the real ones, you can't smoke. You could smoke the real ones. You think you of could smoke course. the real ones? Yeah. I don't know, dude. I remember one time me and my ex girlfriend, we tried to fucking we tried to smoke uh like an M box. Uh-huh. And it wasn't smoking. And I was like, dude, like that's probably yeah, it's not because it's real. 
You think it was because it, it was fake that I couldn't smoke it? I don't know what it was, but yeah, people have been smoking blues forever. That's what I'm that, Yeah. I, I mean, was you, like, you could basically smoke any pill. Yeah. It's going to burn. <laughs> <laughs> you know this one, I mean? like, it just went all black and it didn't smoke. And I was oh, like, really? Yeah. I was like, I, I was so confused about uh, that. No, you I was, thought you got a real one? No, yeah. I was like, going I was on like, with it. I had to convince myself, like, okay, maybe he just served me real drugs because yeah. he fucks with me, you know? Like, no, no, he that's didn't. Crazy. He didn't give no, a fuck. Yeah, he got served like cardboard or yeah, something. Yeah, probably. That's crazy. So, um, so how much were fake blues at the time? They were thirty still. Wow, that's crazy. I would pay thirty. Thirty for one pill. Yeah, for one. It's wow. insane because you guys were paying fucking like seven dollars yeah. and getting like a bunch. Yeah. Nah, bro. I remember like my like they were ten for a solid long like. There were seven for a while, and then there were like eight. Then I remember they just skipped nine, and they just went to ten. Then like when I was getting clean, they were like twelve. Yeah. Then like towards the end, I heard people thirteen, fourteen. And then when I got clean, they just went crazy. Yeah. Well, people started doing Dilaudid at that time. So like when I was using when when I first started using in two thousand and three, like opiates, it was like oxys mm-hmm. were the thing, like only oxys. People used to not even want blues. There was times where people would be like, oh, I have blues. And people would be like, no, just wait till you get oxys. <laughs> and because um, I don't know, if you're into oxys, you're just only into oxys. Yeah. And I remember um, oxys started getting hard to get. Even like the generic ones were hard to get. Yeah. And then there were blues. Then when blues started to get expensive, I got clean right about like in 2008, I got clean. And then everyone started doing Dilaudid. But with the Dilaudids, you can snort them, but everyone shoots them. Yeah. So that's okay. when all my friends started like really shooting up, and then um, th- then your your generation is the fentanyl. Yeah, I mean and the pressing of the pills. Like I had friends that were using that were like, yeah, but we're just buying fentanyl and pressing pills. See that 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 happened to me, right? Like I didn't know I was using fentanyl, and then I found out that I was mm-hmm. doing fentanyl. I was like, dude, I might as well just buy fentanyl. Like mm-hmm. that's really what I'm addicted to, obviously. So like, I'm just cut out the middleman. Like mm-hmm. and be like. Oh yeah, man! I just got a new batch of Perk Thirties in my mind. I'm like, dude, I don't give a fuck. Like, I know it's fentanyl. Like, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, just give it to me. I don't care. So wait. So how did you? Where were you buying straight fentanyl? At? So, for me, were you buying it on the street? They sell it on the street like that, like, like some heroin. People, some some people do sell it on the street. They sell it the caps. You got the red cap. You got the blue cap. Like, but they sell it like it's heroin. What do you mean? Like when people are buying it, do they think it's heroin? They think it's fentanyl, or they don't even care. They just know that it's like a opiate. I think most people don't care. Some people do. Like, for me, I was a type of drug addict where I was going to ask you, like, yo, what is this? Like, I wanted to know. I wanted to, I was like, uh, like, mm-hmm. I just wanted to know everything, you know? So, like, I just wanted to know what I was doing. Not because I was worried about what I was doing, just because so I could read up on it. My friend who uh, who was on the podcast, I remember when I first, like, when he first got clean, I was asking, like, what like what pills did he do or, like, what drugs he was doing? He's like, yeah, I do, like, China White. And I'm like, you mean heroin? <laughs> and he's like, nah, you know, it's just, like, China White. You know, I buy it from my boy. And I'm like. Cause he's he was kind of like he didn't want people to know that he's doing like he yeah. didn't want to say he does heroin. Yeah. But it's like, bro, if you're buying China White on the street, it's an opiate. It's a powder. Even if it's not all heroin, like that's the same category as heroin. Yeah. To be honest with you, if you're doing any opiate, you're basically doing heroin. Yeah. But like you don't want to say that. Yeah, know? that's like people people who drink lean, right? They don't realize they're drinking liquid heroin. Yeah, it's like if you're doing lean, you're basically doing heroin. Yeah, you're and you're probably heroin. doing a way ver- a way quicker yeah. way to fucking kill yourself. Yeah, by for drinking sure. it that way. And I've drunk it a few times. Yeah, I liked it. You know, I'm not like a lean junkie or anything. I remember when I did lean, I was just like, you might as well just do pills. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, because then like I'm drinking it and I'm like, nah, nah, fucking spilling the cup. Like, yeah. that's an expensive ass fucking cup. 
you know like yeah you gotta lick it off the floor yeah dude i get that little wayne video now you ever <laughs> seen him with she's interviewing him no what happened? and he kicks over his cup of lean and he's like oh my god that's an expensive <laughs> ass cup my bad that's so funny <laughs> oh, no, so funny yeah dude no i, I get it like i, yeah, I get I love it dude. Lil wayne. yeah man that's one of my he's i think for me Kanye. even your generation your generation is little wayne fans bro me so for me growing up it was you're like eight years younger than me it was seven yeah, years yeah i was born in 99 Nine years ago. Yeah. So my generation for me, Kanye, mm-hmm. Wayne, and and fifty towards the end, really. But like for me, that Kanye, Wayne, and then yeah, Drake. You know. Wayne. Wow. Yeah. Wayne was part of my generation, like yeah. for sure. Well, yeah, he's been it's rapping. It's crazy because a lot of his 14. songs like aren't on Spotify. They're all like on Dat Piff. Mm-hmm. So like, um, it's crazy. Like all the songs I kind of grew up with, you can't really find them unless you go on like that, yeah. that piff. But now like Apple Music starting to add like really a couple. Yeah, like the other day, dude. They like, don't have like his mixtapes on there, do they? They have some of the No Ceilings. Really? Yeah, like fucking. You ever heard his song Shoes? Yeah. She called me dickhead, mm-hmm. spicy like a big red. Like mm-hmm. they they got that there on Apple Music. Wow. Yeah, every once in a while I get nostalgic and I go on yeah. the Dat Piffs. Uh, app and just listen dude, to Dude, I remember when I was using LimeWire, dude. Like, I used mm-hmm. to be on LimeWire, like, yeah, just course. fucking downloading songs, crashing my mm-hmm. fucking computer, giving it, like, the worst kind Liar. of fucking... And this was the computer, like, back then, everybody had to use the same computer. Mm-hmm. And I would be on fucking LimeWire, like, downloading, like, a bunch of fucking music. And even, like, the... Like, I remember back then, there was, like, a phase where, like, people would listen to, like, sped-up music. Mm-hmm. And, like, I used to download just a bunch of sped-up music. I listen and to, like, the slow-down version. You like the slow, the, the chopped and slow? Yeah, the, the chopped and screwed. Chopped and screwed, yeah. Yeah, I like the chopped and screwed. And I listen to a lot of 36 Mafia. I do like 36 Mafia. Yeah. yeah. All right, so you start doing opiates. Um, what, what, like, events happen that are, like, you know, apparent that your life is getting worse? So... It really started when I graduated high school, right? Mm-hmm. And I barely graduated high school, dude. I graduated by, like, the fucking skin of my teeth. And because then I graduated high school and I was like, okay, like, now, you know, like, I, I ended up going, I went to college for a year mm-hmm. up in Fort Myers. And, dude, I didn't even, like, go to class. Like, because, like, for me, right, like, my using was based around, like, because I, I was living with my mom, you know. My mom, my I had, so my dad, right, like, he wasn't an absentee father, but, like, like he was there physically, Mm-hmm. But, like, emotionally and, like, verbally and all that stuff, like, he was never there, you know? Like, he would mm-hmm. just be, like, he was just there, you know? Like, how that fucking camera is just, like, right there. Like, and I could walk past that camera yeah. and it won't say anything to me. That's kind of how my dad was in my life. So my mom had to play mom and dad, right? And my mom is overly emotional and my dad is unemotional. Mm-hmm. So my mom was always up my ass because my brothers moved out, you know? What was your relationship like with your brothers? So... Man, they used to fucking, I used to fight with them a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to fight with them a lot. Like, even, like, like you know, like, after all the things that happened with that one brother, like, I would still fight with them a lot. Because mm-hmm. they would just, you know, fucking typical brother shit. They would bully me, tease me, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, they'd pick on me. And so, like, it was just, like, I don't know. I would constantly fight with them. Like, I would annoy the shit out of them. Like, I was just being a little brother, you know. But, like, now, like, I talk to my oldest brother, you know, occasionally, mm-hmm. every now and then, you know, I'll tap it in with him. But, you know, we weren't, like, you know, your typical close brothers, like, yeah. because of the age gap, mm-hmm. you know, and then they, How much older are they? So my oldest brother is 11 years older than me, mm-hmm. and then the second oldest brother is uh, six years older than me, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's hard, you know, when you're fucking yeah. 19, 18. I'm super close to my sister. She's six years older than me. Yeah. So, I don't know. We, we never... The men in my family, man, like, we're not, like, emotional people, yeah. 
You know, like, we don't like to feel things mm-hmm. or talk about how we feel. Like, dude, I'm the worst at talking about how I fucking feel. Yeah. Like, absolute fucking worst. Girl, ask me, how do I feel? I'm just like, you probably know better than I do, mm-hmm. you know, because I wear my emotions on my sleeve, you know? So, like, it's hard for me to convey my words. So, <clears throat> you know, with my mom, she's overly emotional, mm-hmm. right? So she would be up my ass, especially when they moved out, right? Because now it's like, okay, well, now I'm considered the oldest um, child in the house, so, like, she would always want to know what I'm doing and who I'm doing with and, like, you know, I'm using, so I'm good at manipulating. I'm st- I'm still in the point where I'm good at hiding it, mm-hmm. you know? But, like, I just wanted to use in peace. So that's why I was able to go to college. I was supposed to say, play soccer in college. Mm-hmm. And, dude, like, I didn't go to classes, you know? I wouldn't leave my dorm. Like, I was just in there getting high. Like, that's all I ever did. And, and, and to the point where, like, but the drugs out there were so whack that I was just like, dude, I want to move back home mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can get, you know good dope again and mm-hmm. actually like get high and then like and, and and get high with my friends you know so then i moved back and i would just like constantly like 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 push the envelope right like like i would you know i started like first i would start robbing my mom i robbed my grandmother you know she, i remember one time i took my little bro- i literally took my little brother's lunch money it was only like 10 bucks but like it was enough for me to you know to get high and like and then i progressed from that to like going outside and actually like hitting licks and like you know carjacking and like you know running through people's wallets Mm -hmm. and shit like that to the point where like you know and i'm trying to like bring my friends along and like they don't want anything to do with me anymore so now i'm out here i'm by myself right i'm using by myself and i started meeting like a lot of shady characters and that's funny about drugs right like the more and more you progress into your Mm -hmm. addiction the more different type of people that you meet you know and i was meeting like like i used to do like for this one guy he would have me like, like, and I only did this a couple times, and it only worked a couple times. It wasn't until the last time where I was mm-hmm. like, I'm probably never gonna do that again. But like, he would have me go to like these um like exotic car things, like like where people sell like exotic cars, mm-hmm. and he would have me like test drive the car like by myself, convince the guy to let me test drive the car around mm-hmm. the block by myself. You give him your ID. So yeah, but I would have a fake ID. Okay. So I give him the fake ID. And be like, all right, and I go test driving, and I'd fucking drop it off to him, you know, and then he scratches the van, does whatever the fuck with it, and then he would just break me off, really, you know, a good amount, yeah. And is, I, is there statute of limitations about this? Should you be? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I never got caught for it, so you know, I think I think it should be okay. I don't know. <laughs> I think it should be okay. Before we put this out, we'll talk to some people because yeah, yeah. I don't know because there's probably cameras and stuff. Yeah, that's true. And that's like more than like. Yeah. Well, that's like Grant that. I could tell you the last time that I did it, uh-huh. right? I fucking I got set up by the same dude that put me on. He set mm-hmm. me up. And I was like I was so confused about that, but I remember I show up, right? I show up to the place and like there's this one street light on, right? It's like 9:30 mm-hmm. on a Saturday. And like I remember walking over, right? Cuz I parked my car across the street at the Dollar General, mm-hmm. right? And I remember I'm just getting high in my car. I'm like, "All right, I'm about to do this. Like I'm about to do this." And I remember walking over there, and, like, there's one, this one street light on, and I'm like, dude, this feels weird. Like, this doesn't feel like any of the other times. Like, mm-hmm. this feels, like, a little eerie. And sure enough, like, I turn around, right, and this fucking black Nissan Altima, of course, pulls out, and these four dudes get out of the fucking car. And I'm like, oh, shit. I was like, fuck, like, okay. Mm-hmm. And they fucking come up to me, and they just start beating the shit out of me. And I remember the dude grabbed his fucking pistol, and he fucking pistol whipped me. Right, and now I'm on the ground, right, and I'm looking at these four guys, right, and he's holding the gun right to my face, and I'm like, oh shit, 
I was like, okay, like I'm about, I'm, I'm about to die. Like I was so like high and so numb that like I, it didn't really like, you know, set in that I was about to die. I was mm-hmm. kind of just like, because deep down, like I wanted to die. Deep down, I didn't want to live anymore mm-hmm. because I was just tired of my life of every day was the same day over and over and over again. And I'll never forget, dude, this guy in a white car, right? I shit you not, he's a white Porsche Cayenne, I think, or a mm-hmm. 911, and he's wearing a white T-shirt. He literally rolled his window down. He's like, hey, what y'all doing to that young blood, right? And they looked, and they got in the car, and they took my wallet, mm-hmm. they smashed my phone, and they left. And I walk over to the guy, and I'm fucking bleeding shit. And this guy was like, like, that was like my first, like, kind of God moment mm-hmm. where I was like, Okay, is it ironic that this guy's in a white car and he's like wearing white and mm-hmm. like he just saved me from potentially fucking dying? Like, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I didn't think too much about it, but I was like, that might be a sign. And for me, right, like it's just like, like I was saying, like like in that moment where you know I thought I was gonna die, like, you know, my whole life I always thought, like I always thought I was gonna be dead at nineteen, right? Nineteen, I was gonna die. My life was gonna be. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, almost like a, like a what not to do with your life. Mm-hmm. You know, like, look at this kid. This kid fucked up his entire life, you know, and now he's dead. Just don't do what he does, right? Mm-hmm. And then I got into recovery and I realized that I can still use my life as an example and how I rise above it, mm-hmm. you know? And, I, and sure. I never really thought about it like that, you know? And I used all that shit that I went through kind of like as a superpower. Mm-hmm. Like my, like my, you know, my, my sexual abuse history with my brother, you know, like the death, you know, that I was around with my grandfather and then like the using and, and all the pain, like, dude, like for me, like I used to think that those are the reasons why I suck and why I am not good enough. Right. And I'll never be good enough. And then I get into recovery. I'm like, dude, I'm better in spite of those things. Cause most mm-hmm. normal people would never come back from something like that. Yeah. You know, but like me, like I decided to you know change my life and it didn't happen the first go around mm-hmm. you know my first time in recovery like my sponsor likes to say it was like you just loitered mm-hmm. like, that's all you did like you stood in front of the corner store and like yeah so like can you explain to people like what actually being in recovery is versus like people who kind of just go to meetings so for me right and i, I like for, for recovery is and i like it's the steps the foundation mm-hmm. of recovery is the steps right and sponsorship because you can't go through the steps without having a sponsor right because in the steps is where you grow right like going to meetings is it's it's nice to go to meetings like when you first get into it like you go into meetings you do the 90 meetings in 90 days like you meet people like you you start building connections but like step work is really like where it's at because that's where all your underlying issues are mm-hmm. you know and like people who don't work steps like you know they normally don't make it yeah you know and like it, it's sad because like for me like I like step work because I know all the answers. Mm-hmm. They're all everything that I lived through and experienced. So, like, why wouldn't I do it? Is it hard for you? Because you were telling me before we did the podcast that it's like not you're not good at reading and writing. Yeah, it is. I'm, and and my sponsor is also fucking illiterate. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like, and when we do step work, dude, it takes us like three, four hours because like he's trying to figure out what the fuck mm-hmm. he wrote because he could hardly read it. I'm trying to figure out what I wrote because I could hardly read it. And then we're reading the passages and it's we're fucking stuttering and taking mm-hmm. forever. And so it's a little hard, but like. You know, I, I learned, like, through the rooms, like, there's certain, like, readings that I have memorized mm-hmm. because I read them over and over and over again. Even though in the beginning, I used to butcher them, mm-hmm. you know? There's a lot of things that recovery gave me that I never had before. What do you think was different this time around trying to get clean? So you got clean. You tried to get clean when you were, like, 22, and then you just kind of kept using 
for yeah. a year. So yeah, well yeah, twenty one, twenty two, <clears throat> and then I I, I I was in a relationship. I was in a relationship when I first you know came into the rooms, um, and you know she was always someone that didn't really think she was an addict. Mm-hmm. And you know I get it. People struggle with that, especially when you're young. Mm-hmm. You know it's hard to think that you're an addict. And um, and then I remember she left the rooms, right? And then I stayed because you know it was a toxic relationship. We kept breaking up, getting back together, breaking mm-hmm. up, getting back together. And uh, and I met my sponsor, you know. And and I stayed clean for a while. I worked the first three steps. You know I was going to meetings. I picked up a home group. I was going to conventions. You know things I never did, but like I didn't really do enough. You know, like I, I for me, I feel like I didn't do enough because mm-hmm. if I would have known like now, like if I would have known better back then, I wouldn't have left in the first place, you know, and I left and I got back together with my ex-girlfriend, you know, and I left the rooms for like eight, nine months, dude. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like finally, like I was just like I was finally just done. Like I was done, like, you know, because we couldn't stay clean together. And like now, like I realized like my last um, my last run, like now I, when I use it, I die. Like, I'm fucking overdosing. She's bringing me back to life. Like, and that's really traumatic for two people, let alone, yeah, like, you know, one person. And it wasn't She would not can you? Yeah, she would not can me. And, like. What does not can feel like? It feels like shit, dude. <laughs> it puts you, like, in withdrawal, right? Yeah, like, instant. Yeah. Like, immediate, like, immediate withdrawal. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're just like, well, what the, f-? like, what the fuck just happened, you know? And, like, your nose is all clogged and shit, mm-hmm. and, like, you're fucking sweating, and it's like, dude, like, damn, dude. Like, but it speeds up the process. But, yeah, four separate occasions where, you know, she had to do that to me. Wow, you've been Narcan four times? All by her, yeah. She did. She did. <laughs> <laughs> what would she do, just keep buying more? We would we would just have them in the apartment, dude. Yeah. Like, she would just have, she's like, she would just get Narcan, and she would put it in this drawer. Yeah. She'd leave one in the bathroom, and I'm like. I know, people think it's weird, because, like, I have, I, I've narcan one person, but, yeah. like, um, I have them in my car. I have them in my car, yeah, too, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, dude. So, like, it would just be around the house. And, like, in my head, like, thinking about it now, I was like, damn, like, who wouldn't, like, like you're not in the rooms, right? Like you both know you're drug addicts. Like, like back then, it's like okay, like I can use. There's Narcan here, so you can just Narcan me. Like it'll all be yeah. okay, and I'll do it all over again. My boy said, "Not well, yeah." My boy, he uh, AMA from rehab, and then he was posting like bags of heroin on his Instagram, and I I called him, and he was like, "Yeah, well, I'm using by myself." Da da da. I fucked up, and then he's like, "Well, the guy who sold it to me gave me Narcan, <laughs> but I can't Narcan myself." It's just crazy how, like, that's what it comes to. It's like, yeah. there are people selling fentanyl. Yeah, man. And they're also like, here's Narcan. Because they know. Because, like, you know, there's, like, a 50% chance you're going to need it. Yeah. But, no, yeah, yeah. But he was like, well, no one's here, so I can't Narcan myself. So I'm trying to be safe about it. That's what yeah. he said. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, yeah, dude. It, that's just insane. And you say, I feel like it's 90% of the time. You know, mm-hmm. most people don't fucking make it back. And that's why I'm glad that I made back. You know, I made it back, right? Because in that... That the IP that it talks about, you know, recovery and relapse. It says, you know, some members they have a they they, they relapse and they have a jarring experience, mm-hmm. and then they come back into the rooms with more vigorous application. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened to me, dude. I remember, you know, I remember that day where I finally like left that situation, right? And I call one of my good friends, and I'm fucking breaking down and I'm fucking crying, right? Like, like I just like because I knew deep down, even when I was out there, I was like, I need to go back to the rooms. Like, even though, like, I didn't really apply myself that first go around in mm-hmm. recovery, like, it, NA still changed my life, 
you know, just by being there, it changed yeah. my life, right? It got me connected with all the right people, you know, like, and I was I was racking up days clean. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so when, when the time came when I was ready to come back, like, you know, I also was like, damn, like, I just ghosted everybody for like eight months. I didn't answer texts. I didn't answer calls. I went like zero dark dirty mode on on all social media is like mm -hmm. everybody thought i was dead i remember when i came back somebody was like dude i already had your rip post ready mm -hmm. and i was like and i didn't think people cared that much you know when i came back i was like you guys remember me like i didn't think i left that much of an impression mm -hmm. and that's what what's so crazy about the rooms is that you know that you know it, you don't have to be here a long time to make an impact yeah and people uh i mean a lot of people like have a it's crazy how many people like talk shit about like 12-step programs but it's like Man, I've seen so much people show me love for like no reason mm -hmm. and like remember my name and yeah, like yeah, man, like it till this day it's like a big thing. Like I still yeah. remember people who like called me when I didn't go to a meeting yeah. and like you know thought you know was just wondering how even till today like I get so many nice text messages from random people and I'm almost desensitized to it, but like normal people don't get that. Mm -hmm. Like bro, I get text messages all the time from people who are like. Hey man, haven't heard from you in a while. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for being in my life. Like people don't do that. Yeah. You know, they're not like in touch with their feelings. Yeah, and, and I, I, I'm starting to get those now too from like you know newcomers, mm -hmm. people yeah, who've come cool. after me. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, like I have to be doing something right, you know. And like mm -hmm. I talk to my sponsor about it all the time, and it's funny, right? Because when I came back, dude, I think I begged him for like three weeks straight to sponsor mm -hmm. me again, and I understand why he didn't want to. You know, mm -hmm. it's because it's like, dude, like. You know, he doesn't want to get close to an addict because he doesn't want, you know, someone to fucking die again, especially an addict who's not working a program yeah. because that's what happens. And, you know, I begged him. I was like, no, this time is different. This time is different. This time is different. And but I realized that, you know, it's like, you know, I had to show him. Right. And and and, and even to myself, like I owed it to myself. I was like, dude, like, what's the worst that can happen if I actually like take the suggestions mm -hmm. and put the work in? Like, well, what's the worst that can happen? I, I couldn't really see a negative outcome. Yeah. Right. And, and good, bad, or indifferent, like, you know, at least I'm clean. Like I'll, I'll figure it out. Like I'll be okay. You know? And, and so for me, like the steps changed my life. Right. They, they've, I'm on my fourth step now. Um, it's a rough one. I've mm -hmm. never worked a fourth step before. So, and I've, I've noticed, right. That life is funny in the way, like you're, whatever's going on in your life, like applies to whatever step you're on. Mm-hmm. And, like, I used to hear people say that before, and I was like, that's just coincidence. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's really not. You know, like, my third step, dude, like, that shit kicked my ass for, like, two months, you know, because I was living in self-will, mm -hmm. and I wasn't, you know, like, giving it up to God, right? Yeah. Because for me, right, I, I just recently shared about this at a meeting, right, like, because my whole issue with God was that he fucking gave me the short stick. I got mm -hmm. the short end of the stick. Like, why the fuck did you let all these happen? Th these things happen to me if you're supposed to be a loving and caring God? Like, you don't give a fuck about me. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I was always acting on my own self-will. And then, you know, I worked the third step and I was like, holy shit. I was like, so you're telling me that I can take all of this shit that I have no control over and give it to somebody else and they'll deal with it for me? I was like, okay, perfect. That works. You know, and, and, and now, you know, right in my fourth step, like, I'm starting to like relive a lot of the things that I went through mm -hmm. and it, you know, I'm on the guilt and shame part of it now. And, you know, I've been stuck on it for a little while just because it's like, I have a lot of guilt and shame, things that I didn't do to myself and things that I did do, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm just trying to like, you know, navigate through it. But, you know, I, I realized that like, 
even in this short amount of time, right, these 11, well, I have 11 months, but yeah, I've been back for nine months. Like, these nine months that I've, I've um, been back in the rooms, like, you know, they say God giveth and God taketh away, right? And he took something, he took me out of a situation, right? And then he put me back in this situation, being back in the rooms, and I got all the people back in my life, and then more, you know? I mm -hmm. met new people that, like, I never thought I would meet, you know, and people that I'm... You know, I got close yeah. with. And, when and I got clean, one of like my biggest things was like letting go of my friends. Like I had two friends, yeah. and I remember thinking like I'm never gonna find friends again. Yeah. Like, these are my only friends, yeah. and just feeling like I'm turning my back. Like getting away from your drug addict friends is like the hardest part because like when I was you, I only had like two people, but it's like yeah. those are the only two people, and then like. And recovery sometimes it's like intimidating because everyone's like so close to each other and you just feel like you're never gonna be there. Yeah. But they're close because they've known each other for so long. Mm -hmm. and you don't realize like relationships. Like I heard uh, John say this last night at a meeting. He said uh, like relationships aren't found; they're built. Yes. yes. And I didn't understand that. I just I would just look at people's relationships and like envy them, and not realize that you know relationships take time. And when you're using, as soon as you build it, you tear yeah. it down. Yeah, you so you build it, and you tear it down. So you never have real relationships. And when I was using, I just thought like no one wanted to have a relationship with me or, mm -hmm. or I wasn't capable of them. I didn't understand that if I just stayed clean, I would have them. Yeah. And um, man, in recovery, you meet so many amazing people. Yeah, man. And, and it was like you said, right? They're, they're like what John said, like they're not found, they're built. Mm -hmm. And for me, like I remember when I first came in the rooms that first time, you know, like and my, my friends now that I have now, my closest friends, like, dude, they didn't fucking know me. Right. And like they took me in. Mm -hmm. you know without even having to know me you know and like i was like this little baby bird with a broken wing and like and it was like he said right like there's a difference between people who love you and people who nurture you yeah. right and that's what the rooms did for me they nurtured me back to mm -hmm. life you know and it's not everybody you meet right because not everybody you meet in recovery is like you're gonna be solid with or you're gonna be yeah, cool have with. a crazy impact on your life yeah what's it like being young and getting clean because like that's why everyone asked me so it's like like, do you feel like your life got was over? Do you, like, feel like you can't drink anymore? Do you, like, is it hard, like... Well, I was never much of a drinker. I didn't really yeah. care enough to drink. But, like, for me, like, I didn't feel like my life was over because I got to experience a lot in my life. Yeah. Even as it, like, you know how some people say... That's how I felt when I got clean. Some, it's like, bro, I've, yeah. I, I I've been... Yeah, I've been doing this since 14, 15 years crack. old. Yeah, like... <laughs> just, I don't um, feel like I was missing out. But there was a part of me that, like, felt like an like alien. Like, yeah. Like, you know, because you would meet other kids your age or other people your age and you would just see how like they're just innocently playing beer pong yeah. or like doing acid. And sometimes now like mushrooms has become so, um, so like normal in society yeah. that like there's so many people who ask me to do mushrooms mm -hmm. and like I tell them I'm in recovery and they're like, oh, but you could like you should try them like like it would help you or whatever. And like some people just don't get it. Like, yeah. like I would like I'm not doing mushrooms. I've done psychedelics. Like I've done all the drugs in the world. And the reality is like I'm just not giving up my clean time. Yeah. And um, I truly believe that like all the spirituality people are looking for in mushrooms, like I found through the rooms. Yeah. And like I'm not looking for any type of like spiritual experience like to me like true spirituality is when you can find like a spiritual experience in like a regular everyday situation. Mm -hmm. So it's like I don't need to hike a mountain to feel close to God on mushrooms. Like I could go to Publix and, and be standing in line and like see a baby in front of me and yeah. feel like connection with something yeah. or like beauty for life. Like, like if you can't find that in your everyday life, like it's, you're not really spiritual. 
and that that's crazy you say that because like for me like i've had a few near life death mm-hmm. experiences where i've either should have been dead or i was pretty much dead and i had to be resuscitated back to life yeah. and like you know you know i'm coming up on on a celebration right and um sometimes i'll be dri- like now that it's gotten closer like there'll be times where i'll be driving to work in my car and like i'm listening to music but mm-hmm. then like i like to play with the idea of like okay like you know because like, i like to talk to myself a lot and i'm mm-hmm. like okay like if you were standing up there right now like you know like what would you say like what would be the first thing you say and i'll just start talking right about like my life and how i felt my whole life and all the pain that i've been through right mm-hmm. and everything that it took to get back here after leaving like and i'll just start fucking crying dude like just straight crying like non-stop boohoo crying mm-hmm. because like you know i'm grateful i'm grateful that like you know all the things that i went through all the pain and suffering that i went through my entire life brought mm-hmm. me here to the rooms right like i'm glad i went through it like now i'm glad i went through it because if i didn't go through it like i wouldn't be here mm-hmm. you know and i don't know where i would be but i'm glad that i don't have to find out you know i'm glad that i'm here now yeah you know and i got so many people in my life who are rooting for me you know and and that was something that i never really had before nobody mm-hmm. used to give a fuck about me nobody was calling me or checking up on me or like mm-hmm. want to see how i'm doing like and like and back then i didn't care you yeah. know i never gave a fuck it was more so of like you know every, everything was just a means to an end before right like and the end was getting high and like i didn't want to do anything with my life i was just like I just want to get high for the rest of my life and then I'm going to die. And then mm-hmm. that's it. You know, like now I'm in the rooms and there's so many things that I can be. And there's so many things that I want to be that I don't even know where to start. I get overwhelmed thinking about all the possibilities, yeah. but like, that's a good problem to have, mm-hmm. you know, for someone who used to think that they were just fucking nothing and they were never going to amount to anything because they never thought they were good enough. And they were mm-hmm. always told that they weren't good enough. Like I'll never forget, dude, my dad, like in our relationship now is a little, you know, it's a little better, but, like, I just remember him just saying, like, I remember one time he was kicking me out of the house. I think it was, like, the third or fourth time when he kicked me out of the house, but he was just, like, he was he was yelling at me, but he was talking to my mom while he was yelling at me because mm-hmm. he couldn't even just, like, look at me anymore. He's, like, he's a fucking thug. You're raising a fucking thug. I don't want no fucking gangbanger in my fucking house bringing all these fucking problems home and, mm-hmm. and being a fucking piece of shit. He's never going to fucking amount to anything, and all he's doing is fucking killing you, and you're crying yourself to sleep at night, and I'm just, like, standing there. I'm, like, damn, dude, like, that's how you really feel? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Like, say less. Like, and, like, even though, like, he had every right to feel that way. Yeah. It was just, like. Also, it's, like, um. Man, it's like when your parents aren't educated on like addiction and stuff like that, like they don't see it as like like a illness or, no. or they think of it as like a real moral yeah. uh, like a moral dilemma. And so they think there's something morally wrong with you. Yeah. And it's crazy cuz like his my uncle is his oldest brother's in recovery. Yeah. But I get that I triggered a lot of shit from him. A mm-hmm. lot of his childhood shit Came I up. triggered. Yeah, yeah. Like big time and I seen that. You know, because he used to, talk, like, now, like, we've talked about it a few times where he was like, look, dude, like, I've seen my older brother drive my mother to her death, you know, like, mm. years before she was supposed to die. And she saw the same thing with my mom. Yeah. And I was like, holy fuck, like, I didn't, you know, and you don't realize what you're doing until after you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I felt bad, but, like, I still, like, held a lot of resentment. To, I have a, a lot of resentments towards him, you know, and I'm still working on him. Mm-hmm. You know, because, like, why is it that, like, you know, my mom had to play mom and dad? Like, you know, like, when it came to, like, girls and sex, like, mm-hmm. you weren't having no talk with me. I had to figure that shit out on my own. Dude, I had sex when I was, like, 
14 for the first time, right? And my mom's trying to have the talk with me at 17. I was like, dude, you're three years late. Like, mm-hmm. I've been having sex already. Like, you know, like all these shit that a, a, a dad's supposed to do for their son, he never did, mm-hmm. right? So I had to learn it all on my own, right? Yeah. And, 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 and I think as I get older, I realize like a lot of people didn't have role model parents. No. Like most people, their parents, they might have not been like abusive or whatever, but they're not like textbook yeah. parents. You yeah. know, a lot of parents have never read a book on parenting. Mm-hmm. A lot of parents have never taken a class. A lot of parents have no idea about child psychology. Yeah. So if you don't know those things, you're not going to do things, quote unquote, by the book. And uh, sometimes I'm like, you know what? You do your best and it builds character. Like, yeah. if I had a kid, would I do that? No. no. You know what I mean? I would really want to educate myself on, like, just the basics of, like, parenting. Because a lot of it has been, like, there's studies and books based on yeah. it. It's kind of crazy. People would have kids and not really think about that. But, like, some people just aren't aren't like that. They just have kids and they do the best they can and they're just trying to provide. And a lot of them, they can only parent to the level that they were parenting. Yeah. So it's like they're just going to do what their parents did mm-hmm. and their goal is to do a little bit better than them. And yeah. if they're doing better than their parents in their eyes, they're doing so much better. And that's really like the only type of explanation I have for people who grow up with parents that aren't like yeah. quote unquote textbook, the best parents. Yeah. And like, for me, I always told myself, I was like, man, if I ever have a kid, especially a son, like I'm just mm-hmm. going to be everything I wanted in. Dad. Yeah. You know, all I wanted was someone to tell me that they love me mm-hmm. and that they were paying attention to me. And that they see me and they see yeah. that I'm hurting and I'm going through something. And instead of like fucking taking your fucking thumb and pushing it into my stab wound, mm-hmm. you're trying to help me heal it. Yeah. You know, because that's all that's all I've ever wanted and from my father, from, you know, relationships and even friendships. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because like, I, like, I'm, like I'm the type of person like it's not like it's obvious when I'm hurting. Right. It's obvious when I'm not feeling OK. Like mm-hmm. I might not say it, but I can show it, you know, and like but I'm also the type of person where like. You know, I was wired to just not talk about how I feel. And I was I had to, like, swallow it and just, like, let it fester until it would go away. But then it would just blow up, right? Like, sometimes, you know, you go through so many things and you, you stay quiet and, like, you try to, like, you know, have all this pent-up aggression. But then, like, you get into something with, like, some random person that doesn't even know you and, like, they're having a bad day. Mm-hmm. And then you just let it out on them. You know, it's misdirected yeah. anger. And that, I have a huge misdirection yeah, anger, like, big time. Yeah. You know, but because it's like I can't get mad at who I really want to get mad at, mm-hmm. you know, and like and, and not necessarily that I want to. I mean, I do want to get mad at them, but like I also don't because like, you know, I'm the, like I have like this little like line. Right. That like if I get pushed past that line, like it's hard for me to come back. And then mm-hmm. I start saying things that I don't mean. Yeah, I start doing things that are hard to come back from, you know, so I'm like. But again, being in recovery, like these are all things that. Yeah, we're gonna work on. I can work on. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people live their life like this is just how I am. And like in recovery, yeah. it's like, like we're so uh, open to like being molded or like changing mm-hmm. our personality. And when I got clean, like I remember like working the steps and being like, I don't want to change my personality. I like my personality, but it's just like, like if you don't think there's room for improvement, like what are you doing with your life? Yeah, you know. And that's what the steps are. For sure. That's that's for me. That's what the steps are. The steps mm-hmm. are so fucking important, you know. And the, actually, when I heard you it was the one that said that the steps mm-hmm. are the foundation of this program. Yeah. You know, and without the steps, like this program isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. like what do you what do you hear if you're not working steps? Yeah. You know, because I've seen a lot of people, and I was that person too, where I would just go to meetings, mm-hmm. and like I only went to meetings to see the people at the meetings, and like you know, fellowship. But like fellowshipping can only take you so fucking far, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, when you go to sleep at night and you lay your head on the pillow. That person's not there with you, 
you know, and you're having to live with all these things, right? You're going to all these meetings and you're not putting any work in and you're wondering why your life is still shit. And it's because mm-hmm. you're not doing the work. Like you're showing up, you know, but you're not participating in your recovery. Yeah. And that was something I learned when I started actually participating in my recovery. I was like, oh, so my life does get better when I take the suggestions and I do what I'm told to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Yeah, and then, like, the more effort you put in, the harder it is to throw it away. Yeah. So, like, when you made a big effort in your recovery, you're not just going to throw it away over nothing. So, Mm -hmm. it's like, when you're working steps, you're going to meetings, you're doing service, you're calling your sponsor, you got a sponsee, Mm -hmm. like, you're doing all this stuff. When you do want to use, it's so hard because you're like, damn, I just did all this shit. Yeah. And, like, now, you know, it's not like, you know, you're just staying clean. It's like you have all these things that you've invested in. Yeah. No, most definitely. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's it's crazy because, um... Like, I've gone through a lot of things this year, right, this time around, mm-hmm. that, like, back then I would have used over. For sure. You know, but, like, now it's, like, you know, home groups, service commitments. I did H&I for a while, um, you know, and, like, even, like, these last two months, like, I have two home groups because mm-hmm. I was, like, dude, like, because I was in a funk. I was in a bad yeah. funk, you know. I didn't like how I was feeling and what I was going through, mm-hmm. but I was, like, I was, like, well, I don't want to use over it because this is a stupid using a stupid reason to use over so i was like okay so what can i do so i got you know a commitment for one month and then i got commitment for another month and then now it pushed me all the way here to my clean time mm-hmm. and i'm like well now i'm definitely not gonna fuck it up like over this like and i'm working steps like you know i'm doing all the things that i need to do and like i feel better about myself for sure and it's like um when you change that in your brain that like damn when you're going through something you got to do more mm-hmm. a lot of people when they're going through shit they do less yeah so it's like a lot of people like they have a death come up and they're like oh well i'm gonna slack off and i'm gonna yeah. not go to meetings and i'm not gonna call my sponsor and not gonna pray and do these yeah, things dude. but when you flip that where you're like damn when shit's bad i gotta start doing more yeah then if you could get to a point where it's like when it's going good you want to do more to keep it yeah so when you have that switch in you where you're like Damn, when it's going bad, I gotta I gotta go harder. And then when it's going good, you also want to go harder so it doesn't you don't have to get back to it. Yeah, and it, it's also all about perspective. I feel mm-hmm. like like you know my sponsor tells me like there's be times I'll call him and I'm like I'm having a bad day, and he's like he's like you're not really having a bad day. He's like a bad day. He's like did you use today? I'm like no. Did you find out you have cancer? No. Did your mom die? Mm-hmm. No. Like did you get into a car accident? No. He's like then you didn't have a bad day. You're just feeling bad and your perspective is wrong. You got to change your perspective, Mm -hmm. right? This is how you feel. Why do you feel like, why do you feel this way? And what can you do to get out of it? Mm -hmm. You know? And for me sometimes, right? And he instilled this into me. He's like, dude, you think you're having a bad day? Call a fucking newcomer who has like 20 days clean and Mm -hmm. hear about their day. Yeah. And then compare it to yours. What's crazy is when the newcomer is more grateful than you are. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, fuck. Sometimes you call like someone like two days clean. You're like, man, I'm so grateful to be clean. I don't have a job. I got no money, but like at least I'm like alive. And you're just like, he has holes in his shirt and he's wearing, you know, he's fucking soles coming out Mm -hmm. of his shoes and shit. Yeah. He has no idea how he's going to pay his rent. Yeah, exactly. But that guy's fucking smiling. So why can't I be smiling? Found a bicycle. He's going to fix up the ride. Yeah. (laughs) He's been eating out of fucking dumpster and shit. Hey, so I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. I appreciate you. you Congrats on coming up on a year. And uh, almost happy birthday, bro. Yes, thank you. Appreciate you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Glad you decided to let me be on here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you, man.